0: This is the weekly sales meeting for march twelfth, twenty twenty three. My name is Chris Fleming. You can reach me at Chris at cdmediaconsulting.com or go to our website at cdmediaconsulting.com. Today's topic is the future cost of short-term decisions. Much is written and reported on Wall Street earnings. Its focus is on quarterly reports and quarterly dividends. Rarely does this translate to the long-term health of any corporation. It is what it defines which is a specific measurement of a short period of time relative to that period. It is a poor performance measure of corporate health. It doesn't define a trend. It doesn't predict the future. It defines a moment, and that moment is gone. In our instant gratification 24-hour news channel world, a poor quarter lasts as long as the news cycle, and that is until the next one comes along. It is a lens through which we view most things in our modern world. We judge significance, importance, and priorities by the last piece of information that enters the mind. Psychologists call this recency bias. That is where the most recent piece of information becomes the most relevant detail. Recency is a human cognitive bias. It favors the most recent information over a body of work viewed through a long lens. It gives greater importance to the most recent events. Our societal sky is falling mentality is rooted in this recency bias. And 24-hour news channels searching for sensationalist headlines. Does this bias no favors? It is the same method many companies use to evaluate their own health, and two bad quarters in a row could lead to termination high up in the food chain. Meanwhile, the company as a whole could be well positioned for success. But if we look at it through the short-term lens, it appears to be a disaster. It can lead to short-sighted thinking and missteps based on the short scope and frame of reference. It can lead to trigger-happy decision-making, and that is a detriment in the long term. As we didn't view the entire body of work, we only involved ourselves in the latest report. There is another cognitive bias. It is the one where we rely on the first piece of information to guide our decision process. And that is regardless of the accuracy of that first piece of information. Call this the anchoring effect. Our decisions are influenced by this first anchor of information. And once installed, good luck changing it. We cling to it as constitutional fact rather than what it is. One piece of data in a chain of data events rather than evaluate the wealth of information available we cling to our warped view of the world and we use the lens of this anchoring data point and we do it in a variety of different ways not just our workplace we can do it with friends family companies vendors and purchasing decisions it is often the root of brand loyalty our first experience with a product was a good experience so we will have a good experience as long as we use this brand but if the brand changes a particular product it's still gets a pass based on our first experience you can see these biases on display in many sports discussions the great thing about sports arguments is they are emotional they start from a point of subjectivity adding these juxtaposed cognitive biases makes them more so Take the GOAT discussion, greatest of all time. You can hear this in most modern sports conversations. Football, basketball, baseball, it doesn't matter. Everyone has an opinion. Now, there is no debate in hockey. It's Gretzky, period. But in other sports, the debate rages, especially when they take place between older and younger generations. Who is better, LeBron or Michael? And depending on your age, you may be affected by either a recency bias or an anchoring bias. Add personal preference and emotion into the equation, and it is now great fodder for sports radio, internet bloggers, and social media arguments. One of the best examples of this comes from Apple. Steve Jobs tapped into the anchoring bias to launch the Apple iPad. In the presentation to roll out the iPad, Jobs showed us what it could do first. Then he placed a value proposition on what it might cost. He created an anchor position, a frame of reference to mark territory. That anchor position was a $999 base price. Like with any Apple product, you could pay three or four times that amount in the end after you add all of your customizations to your device. But Jobs rolled out the anchoring price position of $999 in the unveiling. Later in the same presentation, he rolled out the price reveal of $499 for the base model. The brain was prepared for $999 and our pre-programmed minds already dismissed the anchor position as too expensive. But the reveal price of $499 appears to be a bargain because it is half of what the human mind had come to process. He created real value in the presentation then anchored the price by marking it up. Followed that up by revealing the discounted figure and laughed all the way to his bank as Apple sold millions of units. In selling, we don't use these as much as we should. Much of that stems from losing control of the sales conversation at its earliest stages. We allow buyers to frame the conversations for us. The conversation is defined by the declaration of a budget and it sends sellers scrambling to meet the defined parameters. That is without ever giving thought to how it will perform or even if it is workable. Instead, it is yes sir, yes ma'am, let me get you a proposal for your $1,000 budget and we allow the sales conversation to be hijacked by a novice. Anchor that is thrown into the water is done so by the buyer, not the seller. It is the reverse of the Steve Jobs scenario. The buyer does it to us. They anchor the conversation with a budget number and often times we ask for it instead of telling our buyers what the anchor price should be and then managing to it we cede the control point to someone with zero experience. All they have is a budget number based on nothing. Because of this misstep, we are often blindsided by short-term decisions. We get amped up in the moment of making the sale. We become immersed in this recency bias rather than looking at the scenario as a whole. We don't think beyond the immediacy of what is in front of us and make a short-term decision of expediency that will become the anchoring bias of the future. We compromise our true value for the quote-unquote budget dangled in front of our faces. My friend Chris Lytle says the amount of the last transaction determines the value of the relationship. Every time you agree to drop the value, you are agreeing to drop your personal value proposition. And the last value number is the one that will be assigned to you on the next go around. It means nothing if you are selling a one time buy, but if you are selling a renewable product, your next transaction is going to be determined by the last one. And that is regardless of the economic marketplace. Supply and demand be damned. Your customer will say, I paid $200 the last time, and that is all I will pay now. And then you have to figure out how to properly navigate this delicate situation. You could cave. You could give in to the demands of your customer and agree to the terms like the last time. Or you could dig your heels in and say, no, it is worth two times that. But you run a risk of losing out altogether, and that risk may be too great for some sellers. As a child I watched my father do this more than once to a sales rep. He had a price list for a product, and whatever price was printed on that list was the price he was going to pay until that price list disappeared. Even if the price list dates back to nineteen sixty seven. I have a vague memory of someone trying to light a particular price list on fire so he would use the current pricing. But he clung to the price printed. That was the price he was going to pay, period. This is how some of our customers operate. They know that we would rather sell something than walk away and Empty-handed. These customers are counting on that fact and they hold the upper hand. They are flexing their muscle to maintain the status quo of the pricing relationship. It is all the more reason to make sure the first contract is the highest margin sale. The best you can offer that displays real honest value of both your product and you. It will be how you are judged in the future. Our world has become about the short-term sales cycle, while profit is often rooted in the long-term value of each customer. That is why it is critical to not make pricing decisions for short-term expediency. Better to have a long gaze upon the decision. Many who have made those short-sighted decisions are now suffering value comparisons to more expensive but less effective products. We can't get out of our own way, all because of a decision to accept less than the optimum value for our product or service. The customer doesn't want the lowest price. They want the greatest value. How can you position your product as a value proposition and stay out of the low price trap? Solve a problem. Fill a need. Save time or effort. Offer a boost of recognition or notoriety. All the basic needs that others will trade for money, like Warren Buffett says about buying companies, he says, it's far better to buy a wonderful company at a fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price. Even a bazillionaire is looking for value, not the lowest price. Don't fall into the trap. The trap is where the customer boxes you into accepting a suboptimal price. The acquiescence is in exchange for making the sale. This is a mere negotiation tactic used by many to trip up less confident or less experienced sellers. But if you know it is coming, you can prepare yourself for it. You can be ready to handle it, absorb it, and deflect it. You can be ready to display the true value proposition in your offer. By doing so, you will get out of the commoditization trap of the low price as the only point of differentiation. If your customer is fixated on the price, pivot. Get out of the price conversation and transition into the value proposition. What problem are you solving? What need are you filling? Are you providing a savings of time or effort for the price? Play the long game and beware of the future cost of short-term decisions. Because today's floor price becomes the ceiling price for tomorrow. My book, Yes, I'm a Salesman, You Can Be Too, is now available on Amazon.com. If you like what you've heard here today, please consider ordering a copy or two. You can always send one to a friend. You can go to Amazon.com right now to order or go to my website at cdmediaconsulting.com and follow the instructions to order.